The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Good afternoon on this Wednesday afternoon. How are you? 51551 Ray at RTE.ie. Now, it's a different programme today because today we're dedicating the whole hour and a half or thereabouts to Ashley House. Ashley House. Now, we spoke about Ashley House before. Um, it's out near Blanterstown. And it's a residential treatment centre for women uh, with addictions. And it's different in that uh, the women can bring their children. Uh, So often a major barrier for mothers seeking help with their addictions is the fear of being separated from their children. So out in Cool Mine, they not only have a residential treatment centre for the women, they also have a creche. And there are facilities where the women can live in studio-type apartments that's a good description, with their children. So it's it's very special uh, and the results uh, are amazing. And it, up until recently it was quite unique. I think there's one down in Limerick now as well, operated both by Cool Mine. Um, so it, it's out Blanchestown. It's adjacent to um, uh, an industrial estate. But back in the day, that part of Dublin would have been out in the country. Um, and Ashley House would have been a farmhouse and uh, behind it would have been stables and that, that's that's where it is. So it's, it, it's quite special. <laughs> Although you drive through a sort of an industrial area and off big roads to get to it, once you're there, it's, it's cordoned off by trees and you could be in the middle of the country. You hear the odd big truck going by. Um, and, and there is an atmosphere out there and an energy that is particularly special. Uh, I've been in a good few places over the years through work and other things uh, and once you walk in the door of these places you get you get a sense of what it's like um, and the sense that you get when you walk through the doors of Ashley House is one of love and caring and compassion and non-judgment um, all very important things to experience if you're at an all-time low and you're suffering and tackling uh, addiction so throughout the programme First of all, we're going to get um, a tour of the place just to give you an idea of, of the structure of it and what they do. Uh, and then we're going to hear uh, the story of one woman who was addicted for addicted to heroin for 30 years uh, before she found uh, Ashley House. Uh, and then we'll have Pauline in, who's the boss woman out in Cool Mine. And then we'll have an ambassador from Ashley House, Damien Dempsey, uh, to talk, about, talk to us about his links uh, with Ashley House and he'll sing a few songs while he's here. So so that's that's the, the shape of the show today. As I say, it's 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 very different. Uh, a lovely day to be out there actually because the, the cold is gone and the wind is gone and it was a lovely, can we say early spring? Well, late winter, early spring morning. Uh, the birds were singing and uh, it, it was nice. And uh, I met Georgina O'Neill. Uh, she's a residential team leader out there. And I'd met Georgina at a run. I was asked to... Um, involved myself way back in September Uh, and she was the first person who talked to me about Ashley House I'd never heard of it before and she was the lady who invited me out Uh, so I met her just outside Ashley House this morning about 11 o'clock Hi Ray you're very welcome to Ashley House thanks for coming Thanks Georgina Would you like to come in? I would Thank you So as you can see we are a very old um, farmhouse style house Um, lovely door that we're walking in here Ashley House 
and I'm going to bring you straight through into our reception right and um, this is where um, you would meet a lot of the women when you first come in they're actually just having snacks at the moment um, so this is where our head of house would um, be in the morning to set up the day um, and they would set the day up they would make sure that their groups are on time they would make sure that you know everyone knows what their duties and roles and responsibilities are for the day because one thing about our program here in Ashley House is we're quite a structured environment and that works for the women because they've come from lives of quite chaos and complexities and structure gives them purpose and kind of gives them a role in their day-to-day -day lives here. And how many women live in Ashley House? So we currently have 23 women here and 12 children. So we'll walk through then, as, as you see, up that stairs there is the dorms for the women, which they would sleep for to a dorm. And that kind of, again, reiterates the sense of community for women here. Um, we're about to go through the hustle and bustle of the dining room, where is where the magic happens. Um, our women provide all the food um, for clients, staff and the children here. So on any one day, you could have a roast dinner on a Sunday. You could have a heat tonight on a Tuesday. And as you're aware, you were greeted with a lovely cheesecake from one of our women. Um, they take real pride in providing the food uh, for the family here in Ashley House. Yeah, no, they do. They have snacks um, at 11 and then we provide lunch again and dinner. So again, the structure is quite important. So we don't just get up and have breakfast whenever we want or sit for lunch. Um, everything's quite timed here and the women really appreciate that, especially for the children. They've come from having no structure. So you see the kids getting ready in creche. Um, they have their little lunches packed and dinner here is beautiful. Everyone sits together as a family, staff included. And it's just a really nice time to kind of look back on the day and reflect how long are you here i am here over three years yeah i love it i absolutely love it i started in Kilmine as a student in 2016 and i've worked my way up and now the team lead so yeah i take a lot of pride in my work what is it about it it's the women and the kids like for me obviously i've had the privilege of working directly with women as a key worker but seeing little two and three year olds come in and leave you know, confident shoulders back and, and, and learning life through a different lens, like not seeing maybe the traumas that their own mothers might have gone through. It's, it's just beautiful. And the staff team here as well, Ray, I do have to give them credit. Like we're very lucky that we have a staff team that care unconditionally for these women, like they go above and beyond for the women and kids here. Mm. Now, so we've come through the house, which is an old farmhouse, and we're out in the courtyard. These would have been what? They were old um, horse stables and again the building that you see opposite here to the apartments was a, a stables as well so what we adapted was when the women first come in they need a more quieter space to settle and kind of take that first six weeks to get the programme and then they'd move back into the main house. It's a wonderful addition having the apartments because again not that it separates the mothers and children but what it gives them is that sense of independence being able to actually parent and care for their children while also still having the support of women who may not have the opportunity to come in with their children. And, and there's a sort of older sister, younger sister system. Yeah, so the big sister, little sister, it's it's like a mentoring programme to explain it to listeners. So they'd come in and for the first six weeks, that person, it's a buddy up. So they're, they're kind of teaching them the ways of the therapeutic community, maybe some of the language that we use, but also just being a listening ear and making sure they have someone to go to when times do get tough in here, but also celebrate the good days as well. Mm. Uh, so there's a real sense of, community is probably too big a word, it's more like family. 
Yeah, well, we would have, so it's called community as method in TC, but if you were to, again, explain it to the listeners, it would be family as method, uh, and that is staff included. As, as you've seen when you walk through, staff are sitting with the women, we eat with the women, we cry with the women sometimes, and, you know, last week there was actually a trip to the cinema where staff, clients and children went as well. What'd you go and see? They went to see um, anybody else knows, or some love movie anyway. Right. Yeah, they were going to see Saltburn, but that wasn't a runner. <laughs> <laughs> Now, look at that little little face looking out at us. Hello. <laughs> that's a lovely Hi. smile. <laughs> yeah, so that's our crash, right? And, and again, like sometimes, as I said, things can get hard in here. And I just walk by that, that door and it reminds me, reminds me why I do the work, but also the women can tend to, we have a concept, remember where you came from. Um, currently, we have um, six children in the toddler room and four babies. Uh, we can have up to 16 children in our early years facility. And again, they go in from nine o'clock in the morning to four o'clock in the day and break for lunch. So it's given them that structure as well, but also for the mother to be able to get her groups, get into her programme. And you can see it like the little boy that's looking back at us smiling here now. When he first came in, the head was down, the shoulders are down and he's just blossoming. He really is becoming a a young little man, yeah. (laughs) He's a big smiley head. Yeah. To think that prior to Ashley House, if a woman was addicted to a substance, she had to go into treatment and leave her children behind. Yeah, it's one of the biggest barriers for women is fear of leaving their children, number one, or fear of their children going into care, you know, and and obviously we're very lucky as well. Big shout out to Ashley House, but to Westburn, our sister uh, community in Limerick, we were able to open a second facility in Limerick, which can also support mother and children um, admitting into residential treatment. But it's the biggest fear for women, and it can also be a deciding factor then for their motivation to want recovery. So we're very lucky that we can provide that. So it's interesting as well that recovery for women is different than recovery for men because of children. Yeah, definitely. And again, there's that stigma that like if they don't leave their children, they're a bad mother. If they do leave their children, they're a bad mother. So sometimes it's it, they can't win. So it's about forgetting what for a minute society thinks and just coming in and doing the best they can for their children. I have had the privilege of working with maybe 10 and 11 year olds who I had a letter come through the, the door at Christmas thanking Ashley House for allowing her to spend Christmas with her mum. We may not always hear that from the little the little children we have here, but it makes a difference, you know, and these children are being able to have the cycle broken for them. Uh, and part of the structure uh, of the day uh, are meetings. Yeah, so we have um, a lot of meetings, a lot of group work. So it's a very highly group structured. And again, it works. Um, there'd be quite a lot of therapeutic groups. We're actually just about to walk into our group room here where I say the magic happens. It really does. I've sat in groups with women, maybe 15 in a group. And, you know, they're delving into a lot of the traumas that they've went through in life. But the power is in the women, you know. So I don't claim to be an expert in any area of these women's lives. I couldn't imagine what it's been like for them. It's the feedback from the women, being able to connect, being able to know that, you know, I I haven't been on my own and this people actually understand and can empathise and sympathise with me. And there's a real, as again, you said, family sisterhood element of it. Um, it just it's beautiful to sit in the group room. I've seen this line a number of times already. Read it for me. We are here because there is no refuge finally from ourselves. So that's the start of our philosophy. Um, and if you'd like, I can read the full thing for you and the listeners. Um, every morning the women come in here and read this and they huddle into like a hug format. And it's a start for the day to remember why they are here and why they'll continue to do the programme. We are here because there is no refuge finally from ourselves. 
Until we confront ourselves in the eyes and hearts of others, we are running. Until we suffer others to share in our secrets, we have no safety from them. Afraid to be known, we cannot know neither ourselves nor any others, we will be alone. Where else but on this common ground can we find such a mirror? Here together, we can at last appear clearly to ourselves, not as the giant of our dreams nor the dwarf of our fears, but as unique beings, part of a whole with a share in its purpose. In this ground, we each take root and grow, not alone anymore as in death, but alive to ourselves and to others. And on that, what you'll find is in them last um, three lines, they're part of a whole with a share in its purpose. The women stomp their feet and it's a real like camaraderie, like they're coming together, they're ready to take on the day. And sometimes you'll find women will just come in and look at that, that philosophy again is what we call it. Just to take, take a moment to remember why they've, they've taken the journey they have to come to Ashley House. We are here because there's no refuge finally from ourselves. Yeah, so that's the idea of they've they've left behind addiction, you know, and for a lot of these women, it's easier to say, like, why would they not leave that life behind? But it's all they've known for years and years um, and they're coming in here and th there is nothing that doesn't get talked about. There is no stone left unturned. They're coming into this very group room and, as I said, talking about things that they never thought they'd talk about and, and working through them, not just talking about it, but doing the work and hopefully being able to leave that behind and then transition into a life of recovery. So what I'll do, Ray, is if it's okay, I'm gonna show you our new wellness room that was actually donated to us by um, a previous graduate who has since passed away. She left a substantial amount of money in her will. Uh, we had a beautiful morning here a couple of months ago. Her late husband actually um, came up and we, we had an opening ceremony. Um, so what the women do here is we have mindfulness, we have yoga, we actually have a Zumba teacher coming in in a couple of weeks, but it's also a space where children can come and they can see their mums on the weekends that maybe aren't living with us here. So if you can picture it, it's an old a wooden cabin um, surrounded by lovely flowers and in greenery area right beside our playground as well that the children can, can use on the weekends. And we're walking by now again, as I said, the, the stables there, um, which is where the orientation, the new women in our community stay. Um, but for me, um, again, I keep saying magic, but the most magical rooms in the house are where our women and children reside. Um, we are very lucky that we have 10 self-contained family units. Um, the room here, if you'd like, I can, I can show you. Um, the women are very happily to, to bring you in, right? Um, they're just in group at the moment now. So as you can see, they're quite big rooms. They can house a mother and up to three to four children at any one time. Uh, again, you'll see that there's um, like a little kitchenette area for maybe some tea, some coffee. There's a microwave, a fridge. And again, it's just like, we don't know where a lot of these children have come from. So it's given them that sense of safety and security, but also given a mother the ability to have a space where her children, after the busy day that is Ashley House and coming in here and having that one-on-one -on -one special time with the kids, as we like to call it. And I see family there is written on the wall. Yeah, so some of the women are quite creative and they do come up with their own murals. A lot of the time you'll see a lot of um, personal pictures, which is a real reminder again of if their children are with them. But also we find a lot of women have pictures of family, friends and children that aren't with them as a reminder of why they're doing this and why they want to, to live a life in recovery. So this is home for six months or it could be longer. 
home for six months minimum and then it definitely is longer right because again one of the other blocks and barriers we're finding is housing progressions for our women particularly our women and children and trying to find a safe and secure transition what we don't ever want to do is see a woman and child return to homeless accommodation and um, that's only backtracking on the work that they have put in here um, and each apartment it's important to know probably as well is that they're doubled up so they they have a a buddy system as such as well that at night when things can get stressful and you know they're going into group and they're off the floor a little more earlier than the single ladies they can knock on their neighbor's door and have a cup of tea or a cigarette and just have a chat or a check in with one another okay so parents under pressure yes pup um, so people say, how many pups do you have? I said, no, it's the program, Parent Under Pressure. So that was formulated to um, really work and identify with family um, living with substance misuse or complex um, issues. So again, to, to explain it simply, what PUP is trying to do with these women and with the men as well in our services is to learn how to be a good enough parent. So to peel it back and try not strive for perfection because there's no such thing. Um, you know, you're learning how to be emotionally available for your child. So what, what can I give to my child that will make them feel loved, that will make them feel nurtured? But also, how can I as a parent value myself? Because as we know, if I as the adult am not feeling valued, how can I give that to my child? And what we see here with the pup, we're very lucky that when we're putting it into practice in the groups, the women can then go into the creche and deliver it with their children. And we're quite lucky that the, the staff in the creche facility as well are aware of pup and... We kind of do it seamlessly, the whole team. It, it's become a language for us. So the women will say, Georgina, am I doing pup right? And I, my response is, it's not about doing it right. It's just about doing it. I mentioned about special time when we were in um, one of the women's apartments and they spend about 10 to 15 minutes a day. That's all. Just have them one-on-one, -on -one, down on ground level with their children. And that's really what pup is about. It's just about peeling things back and not learning the basics these women know how to parent their children addiction has just unfortunately taken over so when when they're in recovery they have the time to be able to put back into themselves and then it benefits their children as well uh, and obviously the women who come through ashley house their lives are changed forever and and it's not all you know happy ever after mm. but for the majority it is yeah it is like you're going to meet one of our wonderful graduates in a, in a while ray and you know you just see the successes but even what i'd say is measuring women who live and maybe not do so well and um, to me anyone that comes through the doors of ashley house will learn something if it's a day or six months or 16 months they're going to get something from the program you know so we would obviously measure successes based on maybe our graduation rates or the retention of say children coming in but if you get to experience ashley and i know i'm being biased it, it will change your life and somehow yeah Okay. Thanks, Georgina. Thank you so much. Hopefully we'll have you back again soon. Georgina O'Neill there. there. Uh, now, we lost you. Uh, if you were listening on radio, uh, you may have missed out the beginning of the chat with Georgina, um, but it was going out on the app. We fixed all that and you might have missed Georgina tell us that there's 23 women currently in residence out in Ashley House and 12 children. Uh, and what she emphasised again and again in the beginning of the chat was the structure uh, that Ashley House provides for the women, uh, the people who live there. Uh, and that's important because a lot of their lives have been chaotic uh, for a lot of time. Uh, and this structure is hugely important to them. Uh, it's important to say as well that, that um, there's women from all over Ireland uh, in Ashley House. Uh, and I have to say a huge thank you. You might have missed uh, Georgina 
tell you about the chocolate cheesecake which we were presented with when we arrived out this morning with Welcome to Ashley House. Delicious, delicious. Uh, now, that person who's a graduate uh, of Ashley House, we're about to meet them. Well, I met them earlier on, but we're about to play that interview out. But first, a quick commercial break. 51551 radrt.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Email ray at rte.ie. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Yeah, so we spent the morning out in Ashley House, um, out near Blanchetown today. It's a residential treatment centre for women uh, with addictions. And uh, Serena graduated, and that's the term they use, from Ashley House last September. Uh, And she kindly came back in today uh, to share her story with us. And she was very honest and giving. Um, And uh, the first question I asked Serena when I met her this morning was, what was it like being back uh, in Ashley House? Right, so sometimes I find that hard to put into words. But if I was to say a word, it'd be um, peaceful. Peace. Um... I know there's no expectations. I feel at home. Um, it's kind of where I found myself. So I can be myself. Right. You know. And the Serena that you found. Uh, Who's she? Um, God, who is she? Just peaceful. Peace of mind. Um, a lot of it would have been me own... Um, an internal way I looked at myself to the to the way I actually am right. and the way people would look at me I can see the way they look at me is not the way I used to see myself so it's refreshing to see um, that I can just be myself and I'm accepted the way I am you for know? the first time in 30 years the first time in 30 years yeah so can you remember first arriving to Ashley House walking in the, the door and into reception yeah. What was it like? Um, so I just knew I wasn't going to live. Didn't know where I was going. Didn't really know anything about it except the kind of work I'd done to try and get in. It was the first time I really heard of it. So I had no ex- expectations of the place. Um, and I was saying to my own self, it doesn't matter. You're not going to live. So I was open to anything because I had tried everything else myself. And it was literally my last option. Mm. No. Mm. Um, so, and then I remember I literally only walked in the door and one of the staff said, oh, are you the social worker? <laughs> and I was saying, um, no, I'm actually here, you know. But when I thought of that later on, like probably a few months later on, I was saying it's mad the way I felt inside and for her to think I was actually a social worker. So when I look back, I learned my lesson the minute I walked in the door, I learned I'm learning from the day I walked in. Isn't that know? brilliant? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it allows, Ashley House allows you to find yourself. Yeah. Yeah. In a very safe environment. Yeah. Yeah. Now, mind you, I didn't know I was lost. Do you know what I mean? So I was um, detoxing still coming in. So there was a load of emotions and, um, but they allow for that time to, so that gave me the time to observe kind of, observe um, what way the place works, um, my reaction to certain things, um, my reaction to people. So that's what I done for the first while. Mm. I was observing a lot of things, you know. 
I'd say trust. Trust would be a big thing for With, me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then as well, I didn't know I didn't trust people until I trusted people. Right. Do you know? So it was, it was all just new. I was, and then I was analysing it. And I was saying, that, that makes sense now. Um, so the trust thing was, it, it, like, I was just left to come across. There was no pressure to... Mm. What, what, what is it about being addicted and trusting? Um, is it to do with interacting with what you perceive to be people of authority over the years, or is it something else, do you think? Um, yeah, probably because you would have been in certain situations where you thought, you know, oh, I might have something here, like, and it just didn't pan out that way. So it's not personal, it's just, um, why would I do that again, like, to... Right. Well, let's go back then, because when you eventually arrived into Ashley House, you'd been addicted for 30 years. 30 years, yeah. So... Serena, age 13. Yeah. What happened? Um, uh, so I went back, obviously, to my childhood when I came through the programme and I'd done my life story and all that kind of stuff. Um, and when I look at it, it was... I just didn't like to be... I just wanted to ch- zone out. I just didn't... Uh, like, it's it's strange because I would have watched me peers, like, and the girls and fellas that I was around gradually going, you know, drinking, taking cannabis and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't, I didn't bother with any of that, you know. Uh, but then when I, when I took heroin, that's, then I found, oh, this is what I want. I don't want to be just having fun and all. I don't want to be anything, <laughs> do you know? You want to be numb? Yeah. Yeah, and no. did you know at, at the no. age of 13? No, no, no I didn't Because you know. can't articulate that at 13, no. can you? Now I do because I would have seen them drinking and I would have been able to fit in there and have all the laughs and, um, and then just go home. Like, but I was, that was another mask, you know, going in and having the laughs. And, but when I did find heroin then, so it, it just kind of numbed me. Mm. So that was my first stroke, you know. How did you know it was going to numb you? I didn't. So I, the first time I touched it, I seen somebody else and they were zonked out. You know, they were, and I wanted some of that. Right. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the the whole thing of drinking and smoking cans and having fun and all, I could do all that anyway without taking any of that. But I was looking at this person uh-huh. and no, he did didn't you? actually have to even, you know. Yeah. He didn't have to perform. Yeah. Didn't need to a mask. Yeah. Just gone. Yeah. And that appealed to you. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look back, because part of Ashley House is going back, isn't it? Yeah. And looking at that and trying to make sense of it all. Yeah. And have you made any sense of that? Yeah. Yeah, I have. I look at myself, um, like I'm looking at it from a different angle. Like I, w- I wouldn't have seen all that going, you know, as it was happening. But then when I was able to look back... Um, I was able to look back with compassion then, you know, and I feel like I just grabbed myself and pulled myself to me now, mm. you know, mm. through the stages. Uh, and, and so you got addicted very quickly. You were smoking when you were 13 and then 
swiftly when you're 14, you're in injecting. Yeah. And then at 15, you're on methadone just to get up out of the bed. Yeah. Yeah. That was a very quick progression. Yeah. Yeah. So it was looking around me as well. It was kind of my environment because after a while smoking, I wouldn't have done, had the same effect. And then I see other people that had the effect I had at the start. So that's when I went to injecting then. Mm. And then... Um, it was causing kind of chaos around me, you know, like my family and stuff like that. So um, that's why I went on the methadone. It wasn't that I didn't, I wasn't doing that. It was the effect it was having on other people. Uh-huh. So I was happy to stay that way. You were? I just didn't realize, like, why does the body, do you know? Mm. But obviously my family are looking at their family member, you know, so that's why I went on to the maintenance. Right. Uh, so to fund your habit, because when you're on methadone, you're still taking heroin. Yeah. Um, so to fund that, you're involved in crime. Yeah. Um, uh, and then when you reached 18, uh, you'd clocked up a number of yeah. sort of your court appearances. Yeah. And they were ready for you then, were they? Ready, <laughs> right. yeah. So what happened when you I were I was 18? after getting a couple of, um, you know, liaisons and stuff like that were coming. Um and when I look back now, they did try to divert me a bit, you know, but obviously it just, I wasn't ready for that. Uh, so I just kept continuing to go um, down the path that I went. But I remember going to court and I was after being in court a couple of times because, but I was underage. So I remember then I was, I was of age and I was saying, maybe I had to say this a bit more serious, you know, uh, so I was standing there and I could just hear the the copper reading out loads of different things. And I was like, I can't even remember. You know, I don't know what's he even talking about. And it was put back probably twice and then I got a sentence of two years. Now, I'm standing there like, for what? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm. But um, I didn't really care either once I had my drugs. So the first thing that came into my head was, oh, well, I'm on a, ma- I'm on a maintenance, so... They have to give me my methadone in here. Right. It was nothing about like, oh my God, where am I going? Or what am I doing? I didn't have any of that thinking. See, people who haven't been through addiction find that very difficult to understand. Yeah. Like you were getting sent to prison for two years and the first thing on your mind was... Put me anywhere once my drugs can come with me. Yeah. Yeah. So you have children. We're going to maintain their their yeah. privacy, so we're not going to talk about them, but you have children. And the people around you, the people who loved you, family and friends, Yeah. were they trying to help? Yeah. 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 And can you now, from this distance, see what it must have been like for them? Yeah. 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 What do you think? Uh, but you just don't have that awareness at the time. Like, you don't understand why they're so upset when you're not doing that to them. Because I used to justify things like I would never steal from any of my family or anything like that. Never. And I would used to say, like, I'm not doing this on. I never took this on them. Like, you know, I always kept that separate from my family. So in your world, I'm not as bad as the next person? Not as the I next might... person, but I'm not doing as much damage mm. to them. Why, why are they so worried when I never would rob anything of them? But obviously they're looking at someone that they love falling apart. Mm. Uh, but you just don't have that awareness at the time. And what about your personal safety? Because if you're an addict, you must have found yourself in situations which yeah. are quite dangerous. Yeah. 
And does that cross your mind or? Yeah, so when I, I kind of have a, had a look back at everything and that's the one thing that I, um, I can't really pinpoint because there was about five or six years where I can't re- even remember. Right. You know, I know I was in town and I was in a hostel in town but details of it is not coming to me, you know. So you're, this you're, was, was that because you were so strung out, or you don't want to remember? Or? I don't. I, I don't know. I think it was just a haze, and I've tried to get in at it, and there's nothing there that I don't want to reveal or mm. anything. So I just think I was just. But some of the things would come back, and I say, "How are you even alive?" Like yeah. you know, the plays, the tinge. Because I was a real loner. I'd just done things on my own. I'd get my money on my own, and I'd buy drugs on my own. So when you think of where I would put myself on my own, um, yeah, I would have put myself into situations. Mm. And what about, like, because you're getting older now, right, yeah. and you're looking around, and at any stage are you saying, is this it? Is, is this my life? Yeah. So I got onto a, another maintenance programme where, the, where there was a nurse, and, you know, there was like a, a clinic, mm. Um so I was only on my methadone then. And to me, that was like this, that was it. Mm. But now looking back, I still wasn't clean. I still didn't look at what put me there. Mm. I still didn't look at why I on drugs. And I classed it as I'm only on methadone. So um, so just for people listening to you, Serena, the, the, there was a trauma which you yeah, don't want to was. talk about. So, so you, you figured that out for yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and at what stage then does something other than the numbness be the driving force for a drug addict? Or is it always just getting numb and getting out of your head? Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, I think it's worth, you know, I didn't think I was, I settled. Do you know, I settled, just this is it. And then it was, no, I'm not settling. Life I suppose, threw things at you. Yeah. Didn't it? Yeah. Um, and and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just wondering, um, is there a point in addiction where you're so far gone that you can't see any light? Yeah. Yeah, there, there was a couple of them. Um, but then you just have to, you know, you just have to say, I'm not, something inside me was not settling for this. Right. Do you know, so it's like you're battling with yourself. So I would do the drugs and then I would still say, what are you doing? You know, but I just didn't see another way. The awareness wasn't there. It was all tunnel vision. You know, mm-hmm. I could just see the next time I was going to use. And I would say to myself, right, so when you get this into you, then you're going to decide what mm. you're going to do about it. But then it was the next day. And you had to do it again. So I would get, I would get bits of that. You know, where I'd say, right, you're not physically sick now. You're not, fi- you're, you've no physical withdrawal. You're at the sort that. So now what are you going to do? But then you just had life. Yeah. And, and were you promising, as well as yourself, other people that you were going to get clean? Yeah. 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 And is lying part of being an addict? Yeah. But you justify it again by you protecting them. You know, I'm not going to tell them the truth. Now, I know that's justifying, but when I was doing it, I didn't. I thought, 
like why mm. would I tell them that they're already up the wall or yeah. you know and did you lose people that you knew from the street yeah yeah yeah. And did that in any way give you a kick up the behind and go, this could be me? Yeah, in the minute. The minute, that's the thing, isn't yeah. it? It was in always the in the minute. Yeah. So momentary, yeah, I was I'll get them. clean. Yeah. Momentary, I could die. But yeah. yeah, I'm too busy trying to be, a, trying to survive here. Yeah. You know? And that's the big thing about Ashley House, isn't it? It allows women yeah. to go through recovery. Yeah. And just gives you time to um, reevaluate. Yeah. You know, I don't feel I had the time really. Now, I'm probably saying that, you know, trying to, well, I didn't really have the time. It's probably a cop out. But I can't remember in them stages when I didn't really have awareness that I could, I see. But you were busy getting your next. Yeah. Your next and trying to keep heroin. everything together. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. Was it always just heroin? Um. So the methadone would have been, mm. you know, a big one as well. Um, but I got cancer then. So they were giving me everything there, you know, all the Oxycontin and the Oxynorm yeah. and all that. So then they were prescribing it. So it wasn't just another excuse to, you know, keep you, doing it. You smile there. So it was like making your addiction legal sort of in a way. Yeah, but the, I'm just saying the mentality I had. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. How are you now with the... Cancer is gone. Ah, brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. But... And was that a moment? That was, that was the moment. Oh, that was the moment. Yeah. When I was diagnosed with the cancer, um, that was like, I have no control over this. You know, this is not something like me addiction that I can control. So, like, the mentality is like, I'm an addict. So if I really was that bad, I'd stop. But now this, it's just been taken out of my hands. So that was the first realisation that, oh my God, like, I can't just stop drugs and I'm going to be grand. Do you know what I mean? So, as an addict, you're under the illusion that you're in control. Yeah. And of course, you know now. No. No, you're not. Yeah, no. And then there's this thing, this cancer that's yeah. inside you, which you've no control over. Yeah. And what, 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 how did that change you? Um, so uh, that's not getting me, right? You know, like right. So try me there. You know, you know that's the that's the way I was. Like, you know, it's it's just hard to explain. It was like a realization, you know that. But it was also a turning point for me, you mm. know, where I said, "No, you don't have control over this." So it's probably gonna be too late for you now. You know, this is what I'm saying to myself. Um, so I just kind of blocked out that I had cancer and I just done what I needed to do. Like got the chemo and the radiotherapy, you know. But something changed in me there where I said, I'm not going to lie down to this. You know, I have to just keep going, keep going. Um, so I kind of blocked out that I even had it. And it did do me the world of good because I didn't feed into anything like and make myself worse or, you know. And I think the way your mind walks around that, and were you still on methadone? I was still on methadone. And when I went into the palliative care team, uh, I did explain to them that I'm on methadone. And they said, well, we're going to just treat that separate. You know, that's personal. And mm. we're going to give you what we think you need. So I was going into them every week and they were just uh, prescribing me the medication. Right. But it got to the stage where I was looking at my methadone. I was looking at the tablets. And I was like, 
sometimes I wouldn't even take me methadone because I'd be that, I wouldn't wake up, you know, I was just asleep from the tablets. But, um, you poor thing. Oh. Yeah. Rag order. Right, yeah. Yeah. And then before I was diagnosed, they, it was COVID, so they didn't, they went down to tell me for ages, but I knew myself there was something going on in my body. And um, I was just, just topping up with methadone. So the last couple of months before I was diagnosed was my rock. I thought I was rock bottom before, but that was despair. You know, like trying to juggle everything and deal with this. I don't know what's happening inside me. Um, but then I did get a chance to do it on my own where my family stepped in. And I um, I was in the house on my own and I'm like, what yeah, like you're in the house on your own, you know? Is this what you wanted? Like all these conversations would would be happening. And I say, home, we'll get back to that. I'm just sick. I'll get something into me and then we'll see where we're going from there. But then it's carrying on and carrying on and nothing was getting done. So I went for my method on one week and they gave me the big bottle. And I'm like I got home and I took all the prescription drugs out of the house and I poured my methadone down the sink and I said, I'm just gonna sit here cold turkey I'm just going to see what happens because I was after ringing in to kill mine and seeing what they could do and they said I'd be down to a certain amount of methadone obviously you know you have to be um, down to 30 mils and off all the oxycontin and oxynorm and I remember saying if I could do that I wouldn't be ringing this you know I'd help um, so I said right well, I'm going to have to just I'm just stopping so that's what i done they don't advise you to do that. I know. Yeah. It was completely on me, you know. I just didn't go up. Well, I went up and got the methadone and I got the prescription. Was like There was loads just all around the house. and I decided for me, the best way to do this was just to stop. How did that work out for you? So I woke up and there was a paramedic in my sitting room. And uh, I remember saying, oh my God, they're going to think I overdosed. Because I couldn't talk, but I was... I could see everything going on around me and I remember saying, oh, I'm going to die now and everyone's going to think I overdosed. That was my first thing, to think, I don't want to die like this. So I could hear them like, oh, this, you know, talking to each other and uh, the ambulance, you know, I could see them all looking over me and I'm saying, I was trying to say to her, <laughs> you know, just trying to say I didn't, but nothing would come out. So I said, all right, just lie here and just let them do what they have to do. Isn't it mad, though, that yeah. there was somebody inside of you yeah. who yeah. was feeling bad about what people would think of you after you died? Yeah. Because you were, this is the first time in 30 years you'd done something majorly good in your yeah. head. Yeah. And they were going to think that you were overdosing. Yeah. And for, because you know the way addicts, like, uh, I think you overdosed. It just comes out of people's mouths, you know mm. what I mean? Because it's, some of the time it does happen. But it's just, it goes hand in hand. Mm. If they die, they don't, no, nobody wants to look into how did you die, but I didn't want that. You know, I didn't want, so the minute I see in the paramedic, that's the first thing at all. Yeah. And then I said, right, you're just going to have to just lie here and hope for the best. So in hospital for seven days. Yeah. Um, you graduated from here, Ashley House. Yeah. Last September. Yeah. What do you do now? Um, in college. <laughs> and I left school so young you know um, so did you leave when you started doing heroin yeah right yeah probably wouldn't have worked out yeah yeah um, but I said why not 
you know. Now, it was all around the what to expect, do you know what I mean? But I said, well, I won't know what to expect if we don't go in and see. Now, the staff here were brilliant because they give you the little extra push that you need. You know it yourself, but you just need someone to confirm, why not? Mm. You know, so then I said, yeah, she's right, why not? What are you doing? Addiction studies. Right. Yeah. Have you got a, I know you're only in the door, but have you got a great understanding of your own behaviour? Yeah. Now I got all that in here. Yes. You know. Right. Um, so the addiction studies, it wouldn't have been something that I'd have chose to do because of my past, you know, and I would have had my own opinions around that. And I don't know, you know, would I be open to learning and stuff? But I am. It's completely different to what I thought. I thought to go to say, you know, and this is this why happens this. And But everybody is different. You know, it's an individual and you have to look at the individual. Yeah. And I think that is a big one. Um, and I'm saying, yeah, this will come in handy for what I want to do. What do you, you want know? to do? I want to be there for, just for hope. You know what I mean? To say, right, this is the situation you're in. But where do we go from here? And just to know that somebody is willing to just say, right, forget about what you did do. We look at that in a while. But where do you want to go from here? You know? Mm. And I want to be that person that just says, right. Okay. I'm here to hold Instead your hand. Of, oh yeah. my God, you done this, you were there, you know, oh. What you know? do you see when you look in the mirror now? Um, myself. Yeah, that took me 30 years to climb here, you know. But I'm saying, right, this is you. This is it. I don't, there's no pretense, you know. I don't try. And sometimes I come across a bit hard because I actually don't care what someone else would think because I'm saying I know whatever I do or say is coming from a good place and then we'll see how that goes you know do you recognise any of the little girl before she encountered heroin when she was 13 do you recognise any of that girl that person when you look in the mirror now 30 years on ah uh, yeah yeah but yeah, yeah well, because I refuse not to you know now not every time I look in the mirror I say oh but even when I'm not looking in the mirror to myself, I would say, like, we're here, we made it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hmm? You did. <laughs> yeah, and I would say that. I had to kind of acknowledge it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Any fear about going back? No. 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 No, I actually don't have any fear of really anything because I say, What's, what can you not handle? You know, so why would I fear something that might happen or might not happen? When it does happen, then I'll do it. Mm. But until then, just live your best life, you know, just be in the minute because I wasn't present for a long time. And then, like, I would be, I find myself looking at the sky. I find myself looking at nature where, and I'd be like, was that always there? I wouldn't have saw stuff like that. Things that are right in front of you that we take for granted. No, I'm not going, you know, I'm not saying, oh, but just things that you're too busy to even say, and then I'm like... Mm. Final question then. Is part of what you've been through here in Ashley House and your whole recovery, and you're constantly in recovery, is that making amends with people that you may have hurt in the past? Yeah. Yeah, because I can see that, like, I would have been all talk. Yeah, no, I know, yeah, right. Yeah, no, I will. So now I don't say as much. I just 
showing him. You know, I'm not as vocal where I would have been. Now watch what I'm going to, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go here and I'll go and I'll do. But I'm sure that doesn't mean anything anymore. So I feel like I don't have to explain. Um, I'm just doing it. So I'm less vocal around it, but I know my family can see it, hmm. you know. Serena, thank you so much. You're welcome. You're very honest. Yeah. Thank you. Mind yourself. Thank you. Serena there. Um, Bernie's been on listening here uh, what a brave woman who knows what makes people turn to drugs but nobody can judge such a bright woman she sounds like she could do whatever she puts her mind to uh, so honest and articulate wishing her all the best as Bernie thanks for that Bernie um, and if you've been affected by any of the issues in today's programme uh, support uh, and help is available and you can go to rte.ie forward slash contact forward slash helplines and if you'd like to find out more about the work that Cool Mine and Ashley House uh, are doing uh, it's coolmind.ie coolmind.ie and we've yet to talk to Pauline who's the CEO of Coolmine and we're going to hear from Damien Dempsey who's an ambassador uh, for Ashley House and Coolmine and he's going to sing us a couple of songs as well but right now we have to take a quick commercial break The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1 Text 51551 The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1 uh, yeah, now today is, is a different type of programme. We're dedicating the whole programme um, to Ashley House. We've already met Georgina and we heard from Serena who's been through um, Ashley House and she graduated last September and now she's studying um, addiction studies um, and she sounds like she's a changed woman completely uh, and she was so honest and, and so giving. Um, and, and out front of the house, there's a fairy garden and we had to find out about that and we met Leandra and the first thing I did ask Leandra was will you introduce yourself please? Hi Ray, I'm Leandra Imali. I'm the Early Years Service Manager for Ashley House and we're here in the Fairy Forest. Tell us about the Fairy Forest. So the Fairy Forest um, began last year so we got um, a generous donation from the RTE Toy Show Fund to really enhance the play provision for the children that are coming to Ashley House that live here, reside here but also for the children that are coming to visit their mum from the community. Yeah, so we wanted to keep some of the elements quite natural. Um, it's quite a mature garden with lots of trees, so we really wanted to maximise off that. We have some structures here that aid children in things like self-regulation. Um, the, the garden itself is really about promoting those early dispositions such as resilience, persistence, determination, which really equip children for later life. So that, that was some of the concepts in the garden. We're going to add to it this year. Um, we're going to provide some outdoor sheltering, so maybe some stone caves and some nice landscaping just to really bring the garden to life and make it accessible in all weathers as well. But it's really about nurturing those key interactions between mum and child, you know, and bringing them together um, and putting them in an environment where there is a bit of challenge, where mums need to supervise. And it's really about that attachment and repairing attachment with mums as well. Thanks, Leandra. No worries. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Leandra. Um, to all the girls and lads at Ashley House and down at the lodge as well, I'm a graduate from the programme from the 1990s and I wish you all well in your recovery. It isn't easy, but if you follow the philosophy of the programme, things will work out for you, says Liam. And the very best wishes uh, and I hope you are minding your lovely self. There is so much pain and suffering out there, trauma from people's stories and spending years to block it all out with drugs, alcohol, food or whatever fits. Uh, people like Serena shed light on it all and it's good for her 
her to have the courage to tell her story. She's deserving of so much love and I hope she knows that. And that's Maria. Um, now, sitting in front of me is Pauline McKeown and Pauline's the CEO of uh, Cool Mind Therapeutic Community and they run Ashley House. And we're going to talk to Pauline uh, about their work after the note at four o'clock. Um, so, Pauline, thanks for coming in and, and you've been sitting here listening to Serena. And although you've heard her story before, to hear it like that, Powerful. Yeah. Just powerful. Yeah, amazing woman. Uh, so we'll talk to Pauline after Noak, but first, a quick commercial break. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Tweet at Radio Ray RTE. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1. Now, again, if you've been affected by any of the issues in today's programme, support and help is available, rte.ie forward slash contact forward slash helplines. And if you'd like to find out more, about Cool Mine, you can go to coolmine.ie. That's coolmine.ie. As I said, Damien Dempsey is an ambassador for Cool Mine and he's going to join us at about quarter to, quarter past four and sing us a couple of songs and tell us uh, why he thinks Ashley House is so special. Anish Toshi now in the Preve Scale to Nanook to Lamar de Wallish. Talaidu Kurmid Obradibi Planalt in Hospital Hoskola Limra, my other bloodus in hospital. Takaman Altrix, the man Kaura, Gergonian in Rutkin and Hospitalele, my other Mrota and the Hennet Egendal Augustin Pistim. Tafaman Shevish's lines, a Kurugoine, while a doctor goes through the yellow real, solid danger in hospital. Duchet will Amru and Hennet Egendal in Tartanshaw, my other Lina Ordina, a Wilverish Talk Jacob. Grunne Vigorita Kurfale common an altri, ta shaked ku cardine, fanatle yapahis in the hospital in Yov. Hospital in the hospital limrichs massa, or to will kid exede ohor erfalichem. Yarva Ernamon, Catherine Martin, will cope for the kick and twirish nyavsblah, for in toy show the musical, Agus will cheat in the stadium. Dirters the twirish grinning call at Grant Thornton, Nachra Kadefkul for the world RTE, Yarl Hunkinish show, Agus Doro Freshen, Nachra and Huntus Griffon, a crohocker who go bowed the man at Kuncho, Er Hoyl RTE, doping to do million euroid. Tristan <laughs> Lib Meldi er Falinirin, her Sakro Vedental Chagol of the Yens of Cogus, Fim Bryce, a Bahaid. Dopin's half million euro on Costas Vir Hosawan, Gunt Cogusha, Nera Hoth Honigshed Marger, Dos. Banter Usa Desk, Ruinet, I Fallen's de MLD. Galler of Hurden's Eskarasud, Augustin Stacher, a Gorus, Win Nilotter Beher, Augustioch, La Funny of a Horse, Gun Holland. An Amshinist, if she grinigus Moriska, Pita Galton, her delegant nona, Besha Scamlock is by Broad and Bostis, a Jeskert, as it all came with Stegium Celsius, a visit of the Sarsem. Spitting the Prefskilter, Amshik and Trasha, Tanuich Lafarian Nap, or T. E. News.
Gurmarket Mora, thank you very much. 51551 radrt.e. Today we're introducing you to Ashley House. I suppose that's what we're doing today mm-hmm. uh, because a lot of people around the country don't know of its existence and their brilliant work. And uh, Pauline McKeown is the CEO at Cool Mind Therapeutic Community and they run Ashley House. Uh, good afternoon, Pauline. Good afternoon, Ray. Yeah, um, thanks for inviting us out. Um, so on listening back... To Serena and listening back to Georgina, you you know the place. Sure. Uh, you would have heard Serena probably talk at her graduation, but that was a brief, a brief. It was enough. brief. Yeah. 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 I mean, what I I guess when you actually sit back and take stock, because every day I get to experience the work of coal mine and the work of Ashley House, and you know my job is about managing the organisation, the services from a, a higher end, you could say, and there's challenges with that. And when I need to recharge, I go down to Ashley House and I sit down <laughs> with one of the women or just get a cup of tea, sit with the staff and you just get to experience the why we're there because mm. it's such important work and it's such a privilege to be the chief executive and to work with the staff of Ashley House. And it's about supporting people who have not had opportunities to be the best they can be. Serena, her story, the potential that she has in her life moving forward through her hard work. It's Serena who done Ashley House. We provide the environment, Cool Mine, Ashley House, we provide that environment. But it's Serena who's done that work and got herself to this stage of her recovery. And that's a truly remarkable thing. The women that we work with in Cool Mine, um, we conducted a study a number of years ago with Griffith University in Brisbane. And... It shocked me. It it told us that um, all the women um, had experienced abuse. It told us that all had experienced trauma. All. All. It told us that um, at least uh, four out of five of the women had one, if not both, parents in addiction. Um, They had a deep distrust. And you were talking to Serena there, but where does this distrust come from? And... In that study, it told us that there's a deep distrust of social services and social work because of their experience of being a child growing up in an environment of poverty, of deprivation um, and of addiction in their home. There wasn't um, the same resilience factors for them Um, and their life. They were on a trajectory that they found very difficult with that peer network growing up through the teen years and often latching into new relationships that weren't maybe healthy for them. Um, And I guess that leads to the homelessness, to prison time, um, and it leads to just that desperate scenario for the women. As you describe it there, there's a sense of inevitability about it. Well, there can be. Um, There can be. If you're in a particular environment, um, if you're in, uh, you you know, an area where there's social deprivation, you're in a school um, system um, that, you know, you might not make it to school very often. So you're forgotten about. You might live in a certain area. So you might get Mm. forgotten about Mm. that. That stigma can can start as young as that, Ray. And it, and it can evolve for people. You brought up the word, so stigma. How people with addictions have been referred to in the past. Yeah. Very negative. Yeah. Uh, very little 
compassion. Sure, yeah. Uh, derogatory, yeah. othering, all yeah. of those things. Does that make your job in Cool Mine and Ashley more difficult? And is that changing, that attitude? The stigma that our clients experience, um, it makes their lives more difficult. Um, and it's led them to the, the desperation that, that they experience. I do think in society we have a shift, thankfully. Um, through work of a lot of advocates in the community, recovery advocates in the community, um, community activists as well. well. I think one of the really important things has been the Citizens' Assembly on Drugs um, because that allowed us to have a national conversation um, because it's not the drug, it's not the drug use. It's all those societal, structural issues. No housing, no employment, no money. Um, it's all those pragmatic and practical issues that they're they're what can cause the addiction um, and they're what are the result of the addiction. So I think the Citizens' Assembly on Drugs is, has been really helpful and and the, the, the recommendations and the report that's gone into to government from that is talking about the need to look at recovery, um, making recovery accessible in communities, to, the need to look at structural issues, societal structural issues. So, for example... Coleman Ashley House is a health service, but we have to work and we need funding from the housing side and we need to be working with the Department of Social Protection and we need to we need the cross government approach mm. and the necessary state agencies. We all need to work together because it's not a singular issue. Addiction is not a singular issue. And, and recovery is an important word because treatment um, is, you know, people understand treatment. Yeah. They go, you go in and you come out. And, and really, that's when the yeah. real hard work starts. Yeah. Because I've seen it out there in Ashley House. It's a, it's a very safe, sheltered, mm. organised environment. Yeah. Uh, but then women have to leave there and go yeah. back to, from whence they came. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's really, really important that we make sure they have adequate, appropriate housing in place. Why it's really important that they're supported to get childcare in the community. Why they're supported with their medical needs back in the community. Mm. So it's really, really important that we have that focus. But the most important thing, and it's the most important thing about Cool Mine, is the therapeutic community, that model of recovery. Because what it is, is all of a sudden you build a network of positive people around you. Ray, you, you met us, you met my wonderful colleague Georgina at a, at yeah. a run, at a race. Yeah. That, you know, this is the activities that our clients have the first time maybe in, in their lives Ever, yeah. being able to participate in. La- a, a few months ago, we had we had two of the lads from Kuman never ran before and they're off on a marathon. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's just one, it's the role that sport can have. It's the role that well-being, physical well-being, mm. it's the role that the food, the nurturing of the food. So it's recovery is multifaceted. And it requires that bigger lens than just treatment. It's and when you say about, when you say about recovery in the community, because um, I was listening to Johanna Ivers, she was on Morning Ireland this morning, but she she gave an interview a couple of years ago to the two Norries, um, who are examples of recovery in the community, and they did amazing work. I see they've they've stopped doing their podcast, and um, we must get them in for a chat. Uh, but she was saying that that ninety uh, percent of the budget yeah. for drug rehabilitation is spent on treatment and yeah. only 10% on recovery. Yeah. 
so that needs to change. It does need to change. And yeah. what, what would supports for recovery in the in the community? What would that, what would that be? What would it look like? It's that bigger piece. It's looking at education, training, impact. It's career guidance right. because somebody in recovery, it, it's their opportunity to be on a pathway of employment, training, mm. education. It's uh-huh. their opportunity. You know, so it is. It's about having because there's a there's a huge gap that was is. filled by drugs. That's, yeah, there's a huge void there. Yep. Like you could say, life might become very boring very quickly. Very much. Yeah. And the risk then to lapse and relapse happens very quickly. Mm. That the recovery in the community is about the networks, it's the relationships and the connectors. So for example, in Coombe, we're fifty years going fifty last year. And the number of graduates that come back mentor the new graduates and those that are leaving that buddy up with community members as they're moving back into the community. They take them to the running clubs. They take them by the hand. They network. They're the connectors. Mm. So really we're looking about funding being, a st- funding being designated to have that recovery and the aftercare focus in communities more largely. Who came up with the idea of having a creche in a residential treatment centre? <laughs> Where did that come from? Well, I tell you, it came from uh, 30 years of having a women's only service in coal mine. And by 2024, the barriers for women, it was clear our number of women coming into service in coal mine when we didn't have the creche were low. As soon as the creche was introduced, that broke down that barrier for women to access treatment because it just needs to be in place. Why would you separate a family that are struggling? Why would you separate them when keeping them together and giving them the support that they need means they stay together? Mm. Going back to the point I made about that study, you know, that fam- you know, generational cycles of our addiction are the clients that we're working with. Mm. They haven't had the positive parent experience. They haven't had anybody show them or help them. And here they are, a parent now. So by introducing the childcare, it allows mum to come in, participate in her programme, but still be the full mother role mm. to her child. And that's a really, really important thing. Really, really important thing. Because you mentioned there the cycle, because there is a cycle. And yeah. it's not always inevitable, as I said, but there, there, there is a cycle and you're more likely to be an addict if you had a, a parent who was addicted. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, and other experiences. And yeah. other, there's other indicators, um, yeah. y- you know, there. So, so Ashley House then is in a real way breaking that cycle. Yeah. For families. It is. Yeah. And that yeah. is the work. And I'm delighted that we have a second women's service with creche, with childcare. There's one other feature um, of the service that makes it very, very unique. And that is that there's psychiatric support on site. So we do have a psychiatrist on on site that comes on site and gives proper assessment because many mm. of the women that we'll have worked with will have had periods of hospital admissions um, they may have been diagnosed or self-diagnosed with depression, post, you know, bipolar disorder, um, and that the 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 labels. Two diagnoses. Yeah, 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 and and you know, for the first time, Serena in thirty years, for the first time, has had a a, a long period where you can actually see. There's no diagnosis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. It's just about having the right support and frame. So the the role of the, the psychiatrist is really important. The role of the therapy, the group therapy, that's really important, and that's a key feature of the therapeutic community. As you've seen, Ray, and you've experienced, it's the women 
who run the community. Mm. It's the women. The head of house. I met the head of house. I was nearly (laughs) going to say her name, but I'm not going to. Impressive woman. I met another woman today who was moving out. She was moving out. Uh, We had Billy Joel songs yesterday. She was was moving out. And there was that mixture of excitement and nervousness because... Because it's like a, a big cuddle. It is. And I know there are tough times yeah. in there as well, but it, overall yeah. it's like a big cuddle. And now this one was returning. But yeah. with excitement, but nervousness. And, yeah. And so just the graduation, is there a, there's a ceremony, is there? When Oh, there is. We have two graduations per year. Um, and um, they're in the Drio Theatre in Blanchardstown. And we've one upcoming on the 20th of February. Um, but that is an opportunity just to take stock because it's really, really important. Some of our clients will have come in from prison directly, from a homeless hostel, or they'll have come in from uh, an environment. They've come in and they've got onto the programme and they've got through the programme, but they need to take stock of how, how what they've achieved. Mm. So the graduation is that point. So the primary, the, the Ashley house piece, the women that will leave and move on from there we'll have another further six months and a further two months mm. before graduation because you've got to step down. You can't have this high intensity and then out to nothing. Yes. So, you know, you've got to step down the yeah. level of care and, yeah. and make sure that they're coping back out there um, in the environment. So really, really special nights, mm. really, really special nights. And the clients just do the reflection, very short version of that powerful story from Serena um, but reflect a lot about where they are today and sitting in their audience sitting in the audience is their family their children mm. their friends and more and beside them is the people they came through the programme yeah, with great. Pauline stay with us uh, we're going to take a break and uh, we're going to bring Damien Dempsey in just after this The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1 Email ray at rte.ie The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1 Damien Dempsey, good afternoon. How you doing, Ray? Uh, you're here in your role as ambassador for Cool My and Ashley House. Yeah. Uh, you're going to sing for us and then we can chat. Sure. Yeah. What are you singing? It's a, a new song called Let It Go. I just, uh, I meet a lot of people along the road who, uh, there's something from their, their, their past, a trauma that uh, they're letting become their present and their future and uh, if they just reached out for a bit of help and just, you know, uh, faced the demon, you know, and forgive it and forgive themselves and they could uh, just uh, let it go and just do great things, you know. Right, great. So is this right. the first time you're playing it on, on, on the radio? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it is the first time. Yeah, yeah, right. Let it go, Damien Dempsey. up a hot coal for to throw If I'm gonna find some healing and cease this inner self attack 
No more pointless, selfish loathing Wasting precious days I won't get back Let it go Just let it go Make this world a better place in a little way, don't you know? If you truly seek forgiveness, you must find it within you. It will come with reparations And the good things you now do Let it go Just let it go What we put out there into this day It will find a way far to grow Can you dig it? Let it go Sing it, let it go, let it go, let it go. Very apt. Come over here, a quick, a, a quick word. So there's a new album coming out uh, before the end of the year and that's going to be on it. Let it go. Indeed, yeah. And you've been involved in Cool Mind for a long time. Long time now, yeah. How, how long? Uh, I'd say about 20 years. Right. I think. Yeah. <laughs> how did it happen? Uh, a great friend of mine who was a great singer, musician from Cork, Owen Coughlin. Mm. He was, uh, he, he does a lot of it in addiction services but he asked me up to Cool Mind and just to sing a few songs for the the gang up there just to give them a lift, you know, like yeah. going through recovery and it's not an easy thing to do, but it's very brave and, mm. you know, it's, it's uh, when, it, when, it, when, it, when it works, it's, it's like heaven, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you've been back on numerous occasions. Yeah. For numerous sing songs. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, when you sing, it just it lifts people, you know, when you sing, it's, it releases endorphins and it's a natural high, you know. Yeah. They're doing amazing work. Ah, like angels, you know, like angels. And I've seen a, a, a lot of the people, uh, a, a lot of the people who have been through Cold Mind go on to do doctorates and go to, you know, be counsellors and you know yeah. write plays and, and yeah. stuff like this, you know. So it's 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 incredible. And you've lost people to addiction. Yeah, I haven't did. Yeah, and yeah. written written about it and sung about it. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 affecting. I think every family on the island nowadays, you know, in every small town, it's 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 their addiction, you know. So it's we need loads of Cold Minds all over the island. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and looking at somebody that you love going through that that's 
horrific and I know the person is going through horror as well but for, for their loved ones it's horrific as well yeah yeah, yeah. just the, the last time I was in Coolmine I, I, I interviewed a, a lady whose daughter had gone through a, you know addiction and yeah. she was just telling me how, how horrendous it is you know yeah. but when uh, when Coolmine sort of uh, saved her daughter just it was like heaven you know it was mm. like it's it just uh, from hell to heaven yeah. so they have you now <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, big time. Because <laughs> yeah. you you must yeah. be asked to do a lot, and you don't do much, which is you know you're yeah. you're selective. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever I do, I do, I do little things, but I don't say nothing about it. You know, yeah. I just keep it to myself. You know, and do, yeah. and do bits and pieces here. Brian Caird is actually an ambassador as well. Yeah, uh, and his daughter Louise That's is working right, on the Louise show today. It's all all connected, all connected. <laughs> yeah. And who drove you in, Paul? Um, Paul, Paul Hatton, yeah, yeah. Another great, a great man from Kilmoyne, 40 years. I think he's yeah. over 40 years. Is he the longest there. serving? Paul's the longest serving staff member in Kilmoyne, right. I think 46 yeah. years maybe right. he's with us. Amazing. But, yeah. 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 Well, I was calling Paul, you know, more having a sing song. Uh, it's a great thing that they have a sing song every morning in, in, in Kilmoyne, you know. What did they sing? I just get, get together and have mm-hmm. a big oh, sing there, song. Oh, there's, no, there's no one yeah. particular song, no. Yeah, and it just no. lifts them for the day, you know. Right. Uh, now, this song you're going to sing. Yeah. Go on. Um, well, it's it's this song "Sing All the Cares Away." It's about the sing songs, because I think the, the sing songs have a great healing power. You know, they're in, a great link to our Gaelic past. You know, and because um, when you when you when you're in a sing song, when you sing, you have to focus. You have to remember the next line and try stay in time and nearly in key. <laughs> you're in the moment, right? Go yeah. over there and get in the moment there. <laughs> and speaking of, <laughs> speaking of key, you have to retune your your your, your, your guitar. Um, so this this is a story of addiction, isn't it? Sing all our cares away. Mary uh, loves the grouse as it hidden round yeah. the house. Um, so thanks again to Georgina um, and everybody and Leandra and everybody we met, and thanks for the the, the chocolate flavored cheesecake, <laughs> uh, and particular thanks to Serena uh, for sharing her story with us and and with you. And I suppose part of what we hope we achieve today is firstly to introduce people to Ashley House yeah. and secondly to improve and increase people's understanding of what it is to be an addict. Yeah. 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 And a little if we employ a little bit more compassion yeah. and tolerance. It would go a long way. Yeah. 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 And Pauline, thank you very much for coming in. You're very welcome. And Ray, just to say, because I know Damien mentioned there about family members, like we do run family support services, because sometimes that's how the journey starts for a loved one too. Mm. So, yeah, available on the website. How are we doing? I, I, I was joking there when I said a half an hour, Damien. Just about that. <laughs> <laughs> it is my challenge, right? I don't know you have someone to do this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that right. So, sing all our cares away, uh, Damien Dempsey, when you're Ray. Mary loves the grouse. Hides the bottles round the house She watches chat shows and the soaps Broken hearted but she copes And Michael's out of work Feels he's sinking in the murk He's unshaven and a mess Finds it hard some days to dress Stevie smashed the delf 
Because he can't express himself He's consumed by rage Like his father at his age And Rita's little child Has a lovely little smile This means nothing to her father He's never even seen her We sing Sing all our cares away We live To fight another Year. He's been clean for half a year He gets bored out of his mind But he's trying to toe the line And Maggie's in a chair It was joyriding butter there She puts the kettle on the boil And she's always got the smile We sing Sing all our cares away We live To fight another Dempsey, thank you very much. Thanks very much. Wonderful, very strong. Thanks a million. Thanks again, Pauline. That's it from us, Cormac and Sarah on the way. We're back tomorrow at three o'clock. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday evening. The Ray Darcy Show on RTE Radio 1.